and just record a this podcast is blah 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 blah. This podcast is blah, blah. this podcast is for adults only. Is that what you mean? Yes. This podcast is for adults only. If you are under eighteen, go away. Mm. <laughs> Hi, welcome to another Massacast, where it's Super Bowl Sunday. While I record this, Sod and I have been glued to our television watching the Indiana Jones movies. That's how little we care about football here for some reason. I don't know what it is. I used to watch it just for the commercials, and now you can see the commercials uh, online the next day, and you can skip past all the bad ones by just... Because you, you, hear, you hear on the Twitterverse which ones are the good ones anyway. Um, but yeah, so we've been watching Indiana Jones. Slight debate going on, though, uh, here is that uh, is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom better or worse than the Crystal Skull? I say that Temple of Doom is worse than Crystal Skull because of Willie Scott. Her voice, the shrieking. I think this is actually our first argument. We've been together, what, over two years now? And this is our first... Not quite. Almost two years. And this is our first argument over Crystal Skull versus Temple of Doom, which is worse. When's the last time you saw Crystal Skull? Uh, well, I thought we were going to watch it next. Isn't the next one on the trilogy? We're not going to watch that one. Do we have it? I'm, the miracle of the internet, I'm sure. <laughs> The, the internet genie can deliver it. My vote goes for Crystal Skull. You think that's the worst? Yeah, you got Shia LaBeouf. Okay, yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> He's pretty hey, bad. how can he be bad? He was in the Transformers movies. The CGI in Temple of Doom was more convincing than the Crystal Skull. Okay, but Willie Scott, come on. I'm just saying, but this is our first This is our first argument. Oh, awesome. <laughs> this is great. I'd call it a debate. Okay. Well... I guess we're going to have to download or find or rent. Right, that's what we'll do. We'll rent uh, Crystal Skull and uh, we'll figure this out for ourselves. If you would like to voice your opinion, by all means, you can uh, do it several ways. You can email massacast at gmail.com. You can email me via FetLife, username Massacast. Same uh, for Twitter. You can leave a voicemail at 917-720-7304. So before we get to this episode, got to tell you about this fine sponsor, Eden Fantasies. Always talking about their big selection and the the great selection of uh, toys and, and everything you could possibly need to do the hey-hey. And the nice thing is, of course, they've got... Uh, the nice thing is they have uh, reviews from people who have used it. Uh, people who are just like you, who don't uh, don't mince words. They come right out and say, you know, they're not going to bore you with a 20-page review. They're just going to say, good, bad, crap, awesome, whatever. Uh, EdenFantasies.com, uh, of course. Enter EFCAST, E-F-C-A-S-T, and receive 20% on your order. This episode, talking with my friend Lucky, who's from the UK. You'll tell by his accent here shortly. But uh, we talk about what it's like being a crossdresser, what the scene is like in the UK, uh, being bicurious, androgyny, sploshing, and lots and lots more. So here's my conversation with my friend, Lucky. Before we get to your personal history, since you are from the UK, there's something I've been doing when I talk to people from other countries. I talk to someone from Germany, I talk to someone who lived for about a year in Australia, and that is talk about what the kink scene is like in other countries right? Uh, outside of the U.S. or specifically outside of New York. So can you give us any uh, any insight of what... Uh, do you live in London? No, I live in a tiny little town in the southwest of England with about 20,000 people in it okay. and about as many farm animals. Right, so, right. Um, so it's like the Midwest in a way. It's pretty much like the Midwest yeah. and the attitudes towards anything out of the norm are also, you know... 
yeah. very conservative. Um, my knowledge of the UK scene is pretty limited because I came into the scene uh, and into everything involved in it via New York and people here. Uh, so what I do know is that London has a thriving fetish scene. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of good fetish stores in London and a number of those export to New York, for example. There's a, a lot of latex uh, being made and designed in London. Yeah. There are some big publications such as Skin 2. There are clubs such as Torture Garden, which are big. And then there are events which I think are probably known worldwide, such as the rubber ball. Yeah. Um, I've not actually experienced any of this because <laughs> my, my whole experience has been New York based. Uh, outside of London, Manchester has quite a big scene as well. Uh, it's a very big uh, gay community in Manchester as well and in Brighton. And yeah, it, it's, it, other than that, I, I'd say it was much of a muchness as with elsewhere in the US, mm -hmm. you know. So why why exactly haven't you? I mean, you, you, it seems most of your experiences have been in New York. Mm. Um, since you're much closer to London than the other sure. areas, why haven't you? Why haven't you decided? You know, hey, I'm gonna just go check it out, go to the scene, see what it's like. Because the cost of getting anywhere in the UK is prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Uh, I've looked into into London Fetish Weekend, which happened quite recently. Yeah. I was going to go along. The train to London for me in dollars would have cost about $150. Okay. The hotel would have cost another $250. For that sort of money, I'm getting to the point where I can fly to New York. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I know everybody, I know people here. Yeah, so. yeah. And, you know, if you're starting out, and I'm still really kind of starting out, it's really nice to have that foundation of more experienced friends, people with a lot of knowledge, um, and people to have fun with than going out on your own, yeah. which can be quite daunting, especially for a newcomer. I mean, I'm, I say newcomer, I'm relatively new, uh, you know, two or three years experience. But at the same time, I think that it quite, it's never that much fun going out places on your own. It's much more fun going out with others. Um, I mean, just a suggestion, you know, I mean, I definitely think um, yes, London is probably going to be a lot more expensive, but, mm. uh, you know, especially when you're starting out and you got nothing to lose. Well, I, you know, it, I was going to do it a couple of months ago, yeah. a month ago, and, you know, various circumstances meant that I wasn't able to. Uh -huh. And But then just thinking about what you were just saying, when I first came here, I, I went out to a party by myself and met a bunch of people. Now, they were all connected to a place that I'd been earlier that evening mm -hmm. and had my first sort of kink experience yeah. if you like so I met people through that so I was quite fortunate that there was a, a sort of a group of people who I'd known from online and then was able to put faces to names and and take it forward that way so let's talk about your first experience what you know you came to New York specifically for your first experience? No, I didn't. Um, okay. I came, I, I, I just started a new job, mm -hmm. um, and the, the company's based in Boston, and I was sent almost straight away on a week's training course. And from where I live in England, the flights go via Newark. So I figured, okay, let's have a long weekend in New York on the way back. And because I, I'd been interested in kink and BDSM um, and, and I got to know a bit about it in terms of online mm -hmm. and reading about it and 
you know, community groups and chat rooms and forums and stuff like that. Uh, prior to that trip, I came across a website of a house that was in New York. Mm -hmm. And I wrote to the then headmistress of that house, mm -hmm. who was very welcoming, which I was really surprised, actually, that she wrote back. Because if you're, if you're new to all this sort of thing, you, you send these things out and you don't expect to hear anything. Right. Um, but she wrote back and then I discovered there was a, a forum and what have you. And I tried to summon up the guts to, to book a session at this house and all through the week while in Boston on the training course I couldn't bring myself to do it yeah. but I also found through there there were other communities with event calendars and I saw there was a novice excursion with Tess yeah. so I thought well okay I'll go to that and then I booked this session through some coercion. Through some coercion? <laughs> yes. Um, in the chat room, one of the one of the doms of of the house um, encouraged me to actually make the phone call to book the session. Right. So. I went to the test novice event, ended up at Paddles, and that was a, a unique experience for someone new. Yeah. Uh, went and had this session, which was uh, frankly terrifying for someone like me. <laughs> and uh, then it? I went to a, a, a party. There was a big fetish party afterwards where I, I met a number of people there. What, where, why was it terrifying? The whole experience for me, it was, it was scary because I was that new and I was that unsure of myself. And I just remember vividly the whole experience where you, you have to phone up before you go along to yeah. confirm the appointment. And they said, they told me which subway to get off at, which subway, subway station. I got off. I didn't know which direction to go in from the subway station. It was pouring with rain. It was pitch black. And then I ended up in this street with these tall buildings, not lit, raining. And then you get to this door covered in graffiti with the rickety staircase behind it, and, and you knock on the door, and then there's someone that you recognize looking real, who you normally see looking quite scary from yeah. a website, answers the door, and you, <laughs> you get led into a room and you get given a form with, are you interested in this and that, and yeah. most of which I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. Um, and I was shaking like a leaf. I was, I was told afterwards I was actually the most frightened-looking person that ever walked in there. <laughs> but it, it started me off on a unique experience and, and a u unique discovery of myself, which I've been doing ever since, and long may it continue. So um, was your primary interest... I mean, obviously, there was something driving you. Yeah. Was your primary interest just the act of submission, or was it no. a specific... Uh, not necessarily. Okay. I mean, I've, I've, I've always been, I've always considered myself to be a submissive. Mm -hmm. And I have been told uh, that I am a natural submissive. And, you know, that's very flattering and I do my very best at it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I actually fell into the whole thing by accident because it started off with my cross-dressing, which I'd been aware of in myself since I was about three years old. Wow, okay. And... Once I managed to get online about 10 years ago, I started looking for groups and things to do with that. And I didn't find anyone very welcoming. So I actually came across a group called Dark Desires and Fantasies, mm -hmm. which was, um, well, it was a BDSM group. Yeah. And I found they were very welcoming. And I hadn't considered all these other aspects of BDSM and... Before that, I just found I wanted to find somewhere where I could be comfortable with myself, 
and I, I, t I learned about what a submissive is, what a dominant is, what a switch is, and how to greet people and address people mm -hmm. just on online. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it gave me that experience, and then I kind of fell away from it for quite a long time, and I came to a point where I thought I want some. I want to do something practical, and hence I, I found this this house. Yeah. And so I came into it that way. And yeah, there were, there were other things that I was interested in, in terms of kink. Yeah. And I became very quickly aware that I was certainly a submissive and not a switch. There is absolutely nothing dominant about me whatsoever. Yeah. The, the thought of taking control or doing anything like that, I, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. So I found myself in a position where, yes, I knew I was a submissive, I knew I had certain particular fetishes and kinks, uh, and that was great, but then, you know, as, as time has gone on, I found that if you open yourself up to new experiences, uh, you can find that an awful lot of other things that you're interested in and into too. So yeah, I've found that, yeah, not only am I a cross-dresser, I can, I can I'm getting a very long list of other things that I enjoy and the list of things that I wouldn't do is getting much shorter. I, I found that to be true as well. And I think, I think you're right about uh, just keeping an open mind. You know, mm. when I first started exploring it myself, I remember thinking, why would someone do X or why would someone do that? I mean, this is, you know, I remember thinking that's really ridiculous. Why would I want it? Why would I want to experience A, B and C? Mm. Uh, and then I found it was very conditional on uh, the person. Yes. I, I realized that it was that the reason why I hadn't considered so many things because I hadn't met someone who was into that mm -hmm. who could make it appealing, right? Yeah. This, there were a lot of things I was embarrassed about being into. Mm. And, and I'm still, no, I'm, I'm not now actually. Uh, but, you know, it took me quite a long time to get to a stage where I could openly admit to certain things that I enjoyed yeah. and, and was into and you know now I've, I find myself with the with the friends I have I I can be completely open about these things and what you're saying is right it's all about the chemistry yeah. with the other person and you know if you've got if you if you're playing with somebody who you've got a good relationship with a good rapport and you trust them then if you go into into a, a scenario with that trust and they, they know you and what your capabilities are. They can lead you on to, to greater things. What is... Uh, so, so after you had that, your first experience, one-on-one uh, -on -one experience, as you say, was that your first kink experience in general? Uh, practical experience, okay. yes. I mean, because I mean, you said you were, you were cross-dressing. Had you cross-dressed, I mean, outside of personal, your personal life, or I should say, alone time. Have you experienced cross-dressing uh, in front of any anyone else before? No, no, not until that point. Right, and I still find it nerve-wracking now. Uh, I, you know, when I've done that in, with others, it's been with people who are completely cool with it. You know, they they're encouraging, they're supportive, but there's still something in you that you have to fight to get past yeah to say yeah this is cool this is all right and i still i still struggle with it and you know a lot has changed over the last few months since i was last here and you know i'm hoping that there'll be opportunities while i am here to just 
kick my own backside into gear with it and, <laughs> and, and just go for it and with whatever happens, you know? Is there anyone outside of New York uh, in your personal life that knows about uh, your interest in cross-dressing? Yeah, uh, one or two friends do, uh-huh. and they have in the past. But it's always been a case of, okay, I accept that, but I don't want to know about it. I don't want it, you know, I don't want to see it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're still cool, but, you know, keep that part of your life away from me. That takes a lot of guts. I mean, I've got friends who I consider brothers, right? Mm. But I would never admit to them, uh, you know, my interests. Just mm. because, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't, for me, I'm not brave enough to have that out there because, you know... I just don't want to have to deal with it, you know? Um, what was it like telling them for the first time? It was awful. And I I used to feel the need to do it. I don't anymore. And the reason for that is I, I was doing that at a time where I didn't have a support network. Mm-hmm. I didn't have people around me who were fine with it. And I, I needed to reach out to somebody. And so I, I took those steps. And I wasn't sure how it would end up. And I, I just had to take a chance with it, try and judge the people around me to see whether, you know, whether I thought they'd be okay with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, now I'm at a point where I've got a number of friends within the, you know, within, I, I suppose you call it within the scene. Yeah. Uh, who are completely understanding and who are into all sorts of stuff themselves. And, you know, you don't need to admit things to anybody. You can just talk about your fetishes your kinks your play what what everything means to you with them and everything's completely fine and open i think i think you're right you know when it comes to as long if you have an outlet it makes it a lot easier yeah Yeah. absolutely and it's it's finding the outlet yeah and because i found the outlet over here i tend to focus my my time on it over here yeah you you said your mom knows uh, yes did she just know because you always did it as a kid, or she knew because she caught me at it <laughs> when yeah. I was three or four years old and repeatedly caught me at it ever since. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, for throughout my childhood and my teenage years, and it caused an awful lot of problems for for the family. Was that you know? And if you're not comfortable talking about this, I totally understand. But no, what, it's okay. It must have been very difficult having these desires and being a teenager and younger. And you obviously still did it because she kept catching you. Yeah. I just had to hide it. I mean, basically with, with my family, they're, they're very religious mm-hmm. and therefore anything like that was very wrong. Mm-hmm. And so they actually took part in their own version of BDSM and gave me thorough beatdowns quite regularly whenever they caught me at it. Really? So, I, which meant that when I came into the whole scene, um, there were certain aspects of play which I was very uncomfortable yeah. with because I, they, I associated them with a lot of bad things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they weren't accepting, they never would be, and I've had to come to accept that, you know, I, I, a, lot, a large part of me, I have, to, I have to keep to myself. But, you know, I, I don't actually have any contact with my family anymore mm. now. But, you know, what I do have is a sort of surrogate secondary family among my friends. Yeah. And that's far better than anything else. Yeah. You know, I, 
I'm so happy to have that and so blessed to have that. You know, you had all this adversity when you were younger. Yeah. And this shit that you were going through, not just internally, but from your from your family as well. Yeah. But you still found peace, I guess, is the word. I have, but it's taken me, even though, you know, I've got to know people over the last two years, mm -hmm. it's only been the last actually few months since I was last here that I've actually finally found peace. Yeah. And it's it's taken me a long time to process a lot of things, and a lot of things have happened to me personally, yeah. which have had an impact on that. Um, but you know, I I can sit down and be thoroughly at peace with myself and now. Mm -hmm. But it's taken a long time, you know. I, I I can I can sit here and quite openly list all the things that I'm interested in, what my sexual preferences are. I don't care anymore. Yeah. It's it's about living life. Yeah. And I've wasted a large part of my life growing up because I haven't been able to be myself. And even lately, over the last couple of years, I've still struggled to be myself, which has caused secondary issues sure. as well. You know, because you, you're fighting against yourself. So you know, part of you is like desperate to just get out there and the other part of you is going, no, don't do it. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've had that personal battle going on and I've had to do a lot of work and you know, you get to the point where you think, what is the point in su suppressing yourself? Yeah. You're, you're surrounded by open-minded and caring people who want you to be part of their lives and want you to just be a good person and just enjoy yourself along with them, share life together yeah. because that's what it's all about. It's and and the people in the past who have who have made that very difficult they're in the past yeah and you know i it, it just needs to get away from the past and and look to the present and and go forwards i know there's a lot of people who who feel the same way you you do when you said you know i wasted all this time and hmm. um but the the fact that you're at a point where you've admitted it puts you in front of most people who have ever lived you know, I mean, right. most people in history, you know, kink is not a new thing. No. Imagine all the people who uh, have never been able to admit it, not just to some friends that they found, mm. but to themselves even, right? Absolutely. Um, I think, I think you know, that's, that's the solace that I take care of myself. I remember, I mean, so many times I've kicked myself saying, why didn't I just move to New York City out of high school? Why didn't I just move <laughs> here out of high school? I could have saved so much time, but... yeah. yeah. Um, at the same time, I'll meet people who are in their 60s who are just coming into the scene right now, and they're still ahead of people who, you yeah. know, most people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I... Okay, so yes, I, could, I can sit here and I can say, yes, I've wasted a degree of time, but I needed to take however much time I personally needed to yeah. get myself to this point. I'm still relatively young. I'm yeah. in my mid-30s, yeah. so... There's a lot of time ahead, and you know if you're going forward with with an outlook of just enjoying it and just doing whatever, I I could I could so many times when I've been over here and been with friends, and there's been things that I might want to do, and I've backed out. Yeah, even quite recently, and you know I look at that and it's just such a shame. You know, it's wasted opportunities, and it's just, I'm just at a point where I don't want to waste opportunities anymore. This episode of the Mastercast is brought to you by Eden Fantasies. Type in EFCast, that's E-F-C-A-S-T, 
and save 20% on your order. We were also talking before about, about because someone had asked a question on Twitter. I put I put the feelers out. I said, if anyone has any questions for a submissive guy, yeah. email me some or tweet me some questions. And mm-hmm. um, one person asked about your sexual orientation, because that was going to be the defining characteristic of, of the question. And right. uh, you had a very interesting response. You said you used to be straight, or used to consider yourself straight, mm-hmm. and now you consider yourself bi. Yeah. Um, I... I find women beautiful, very attractive, mm-hmm. and I have a, a great love for the female of the species. Mm-hmm. And I love to submit to them, I love to serve, and I think they're beautiful. But at the same time, I found over time when I've been exploring groups online and different, you know, websites, if you like, different fiction mm-hmm. um, you know kink fiction that sort of thing I found certain scenarios where there has been uh, male on male sex mm-hmm. or sexual acts quite exciting and I've I find I've got certain fantasies that do involve guys um, yeah I'm primarily I, I very I'm, I'm interested in women mm-hmm. but there are certain things like I suppose you could use the old the old cliche of forced by. Yeah. But there's nothing forced in it, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would... I have a, a fantasy about performing oral sex on a guy. Um, and there are certain... T- sometimes I've seen pictures of guys, and it's made me th- think of that. And so, you know, I guess that makes me bi-curious sure. to a degree. And... You know, I love anal play too. I love receiving that. I've obviously received that uh, via strap on mm-hmm. from a female, and I absolutely love that. Yeah. I have the fantasy of, of of doing that with a guy as well. Uh, whether I'd actually want to make that fantasy a reality, I have no idea. Sure, um, but yeah, I, th- I think that makes me bi or bi curious at least. Uh, the benefit to that is that. Apparently, if if you when it comes to fantasies involving guys, it's much easier to get those fantasies met, right? Uh, from every every single conversation I've had with bisexual or gay guys who are in the BDSM scene, they say that you know there are some clubs. Not and this is I don't want to stereotype, of course, but mm. from what they've told me is that it's very much uh, a situation you can walk into a club, you can sort of announce what you're into. Mm. Uh, or post it online, and chances are there's going to be a guy who's up for it. Right. For me, I've there's a lot of androgyny involved for me mm-hmm. because I even when I'm in guy mode, there's a, an androgynous element to mm-hmm. me, and and I like that about myself. You know, if I go out to a party and I'm in guy mode, I may still be wearing makeup. I may be wearing fetish gear that is. St- not necessarily very masculine and I find androgyny quite exciting mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of like it's the mixture yeah and it, yeah it, it's hot and so I, w- I don't think I mean if you if you're gonna talk stereotypes the stereotype of the mustachioed leather guy yeah doesn't appeal to me at all yeah. personally yeah but if there was a guy who was very androgynous, then, yeah, I think that could float my boat, so to speak. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, mentioned, you mentioned being in different modes. 
Yeah. Um, can you explain those different modes? To, I mean, does the mode go from being very masculine to androgynous, or does your do, do you have a mode that's uh, masculine mix and feminine? I have, I have a very feminine side to me, mm-hmm. and when I am in that mode, I apparently am a very different person. Mm-hmm. Uh, my body language changes. Yeah. Uh, I tend to speak a little differently. Uh, I tend to, my voice softens automatically, apparently. Mm -hmm. I I don't even notice it when it happens, but apparently that's the case. Uh, When I'm in, when I'm just being my, uh, when I am in that mode, I tend to, I have a a femme name I use, um, which is kind of like a a remix on my usual scene name. Sure. And then the rest of the time, yeah, sometimes if, I tend to find, if I'm in a bad mood, then I'm, kind of real really masculine but if i'm just chilled out or i'm happy or whatever there's i'm basically i'm androgynous yeah you know it's you know it's just if my barriers are up and i'm in a foul mood that i go into guy mode yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) can i can i ask you a question this has been bugging me for quite a while now and that is something that i did i did a while ago Mm -hmm. and i just want to know and obviously it's the reaction is going to be completely different based on the person. Mm. I was talking to a friend who's a crossdresser, mm-hmm. and when this person is dressed as a crossdresser, they like to be known as she. They have a, a female name, and I do my best to respect that as much as possible. Mm. However, this person, uh, like I asked for a salt and pepper shaker or something like that, and they handed it to me, and I said, "Hey, thanks, man." And then as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, fuck, asshole, asshole, <laughs> asshole. And of course, rather, I didn't say, I didn't, co- my initial reaction was say, I meant woman, you know. Yeah. But, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to kind of. That's going to dig a hole. I'm just, I'm just going <laughs> to shut up. I'm just going to shut up. But I say, hey, thanks, man, to, to women, too. You know, I'll say. It's a figure of speech. Right, right. But my question was, mm-hmm. is that for you, if someone makes that slip up, does that bring you kind of back into, I don't want to say reality, but does it bring you back, does it snap you out of character or out of that no. mode? No, no, not at all. I mean, when when I cross-dress, I'm still getting used to doing that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that's a figure of speech. And let's face it, underneath it all, whether no matter what I'm wearing, no matter how I look, I am a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I totally know that. Yeah, I, I kind of act and try and behave in a more feminine manner because, you know, there's there's so many facets to cross-dressing. I mean, some people like it because it's a sexual turn-on. Some people like it because they find it somehow humiliating in that it's wrong to do. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Some people just feel very relaxed in it and enjoy it for what it is. Um and I tend to be that latter group. Yeah. And but you know, no matter what I'm wearing, I'm I'm still me. Sure. And I don't take it as far as having a complete different personality or yeah. an alter ego or anything like that. Because to me it's it's a part of who I am. It's not a different person that's within me. So I suppose when it becomes a different person within you that's then you you're looking at different kind of gender scenarios. Um the most extreme, well, I wouldn't say extreme, but transsexuals, mm-hmm. you know, they, they feel like they've been born in the wrong body. 
and they want to be referred to by the gender that they they feel that they are. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm 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 a guy, but I like to dress up, and I find it relaxing. I find it pleasurable, and I find it fun. Very briefly to clarify, yeah. I was not an asshole in that situation. Is what you're saying? No. Okay, good. Because I mean, I thought I was worried. Am I an asshole for not being so? Here's what I thought it was like. It was almost like you're at a play party and you see two people, uh, one and they're doing puppy play, right? Mm-hmm. It, me saying, "Hey, thanks, man," was taking that person out of the scene. Almost like me going up to that person saying, "Hey, that's not a real puppy." <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, that's not a puppy. <laughs> so I was very worried. You know what I mean? Yes. Sorry, I just got this mental image of you doing <laughs> right. But I'm, that's what I was worried about. I thought, no, oh, it was. Just, it's been and every it, ever no. since I'm around this person, I still kick myself. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you when you get puppy play, it's specific to a scene, and right? Of course, you, you you don't ask the puppy to explain Einstein's rule of relativity. Sure, but at the same time, if I go out and I'm I'm cross dressed, then you know, people people will talk to me as me. I mean, actually, generally, people tend to speak to me as as though I'm female. Yeah. When I go out like that, um, and it happens automatically. But I don't I don't feel insulted if they don't, because you know I'm I'm just I'm just me. Well, my general <laughs> my general rule for me is that if I see someone uh, dressed as a female, I refer to them as female. Right. Or, you know, and I say her, she. And all you know, all that stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I think that it's it's purely about how the person on the receiving end takes it. Yeah, you know, if if they're offended by it, then yeah, I guess what you said is offensive as far as they're concerned. But if they if they're not offended by it, then there's no problem. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so before there's there's several ways that people have submitted questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for the podcast, some of them are on Formspring on, on the front page of the website. There's a little box. I don't know if yep. you've seen it where you can yes. submit your question. And also via Twitter, I usually do have started to, I should say, um, announce who I'm interviewing, and then people can ask more specific questions that way. Mm-hmm. Who I'm interviewing based just on their how they identify, right? Right. Um, and we've got a few questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is. <laughs> You know, I I feel obliged to ask because she took the time to write it. Uh, Mistress Alex, I don't know if you have met her or not, but she said, uh, how often do you masturbate on your knees? I think she's just doing it for her own personal (laughs) sick. You don't have to answer that. Don't answer that. She's being totally. Um, What color of pants do you wear? Uh, it depends if I'm in guy mode or girl mode. This is actually from Mistress Widow. Who is, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, when I'm in girl mode, it, it very much depends on what I've been told to wear. There you go. Often. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, and this is from someone who uh, wanted to know your, how you identify sexually beforehand. And mm-hmm. so this is the this is the question. Um, I would love to know your thoughts on male female dominant energy. Uh, Basically, the dominant energy of a male versus a, a dominant, a dominant female versus a dominant male. Right. Uh, now you've probably never. I don't think you've said you've ever experienced a dominant male. I've I've met one or two, but uh-huh. I, you know, I haven't been in a, a play or a a scenario where there would be submission involved. Yeah. It's just been on a social basis yeah. where I've met them. So it's it's a very hard question for me to answer. Is there something in your in this? There's a follow up question to this. Is there something maybe in your imagination of what the difference might be, if there is any? 
I don't th- personally, but you know the, the the male the male dominance that I've met, I've I've just seen them as 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 guys that I've met. The thing that I found though as a submissive is whether a dominant is male or female, I give them the respect that they should have publicly. Yeah. Um, you know, and whether somebody is dominant and male or female, if they aren't somebody who I necessarily get along with or uh, I maybe have an issue with, then while I will still be respectful to them in public, yeah. I will. I probably won't go out of my way to be of service to yeah, them. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think, I, I think that if somebody is dominant or somebody is submissive, I don't know that their gender comes into it necessarily. It's what, it's what kind of person they are, yeah. and we're all people. Um, so this is, this is a surprise. I've actually, uh, I've heard of other people who've enjoyed it, but I've never been able to sit down and talk to someone who's into splashing. For those people who don't know, what's splashing? It's, uh, it's play with, um, it, it's basically wet and messy play. Uh, so it, it covers such a broad area. Um, a lot of people, it's considered food play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people, the, people that are into splashing, they might be into food play. They might be going out and rolling in the mud. It might be, it, it could be having a bath in custard. It could be, it could be all sorts of things. And like with most kinds of play, it's full, it's very adaptable. Yeah. So you can bring in different role plays, and it can be incorporated into lots of other activities too. So for you, it is it is a wide variety of things, or is it? For me, it's it's uh, it's a very fun kind of humiliation. Yeah. I mean, I I hesitate to use the word humiliation because it's such a spectrum. Um, for me, it I like to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. That's one of my two things that I really like to do. One is to serve. Yeah. Another is to make people laugh. And if it makes people laugh at my expense, Eve, all the better. Because <laughs> I just get off on that. It's fun. So what's, how did you first learn that you were into this? Because that's, that's a very unique thing, unless you've seen it. I mean, the first thing I think of is maybe, maybe you saw a Three Stooges episode and it, thought the pie fight looked fun. The pie fights always look fun, and they are. Yeah. Um, well, being on the receiving end is yeah. fun. I have never been on the, the giving end. Uh, but to receive is more fun than to give. I, I, th- I think I've, I've thought about this, and I think that when I go back to when I was a kid, there were a lot of shows on TV that had a lot of that sort of thing in yeah. it. And it was like, I know that there was over here, there's a, you can't do that on television. Yeah. And in the UK, there were things like Tiz Was, which was just a, basically two hours of pie fights. Yes. Uh, and... <laughs> There were there was those those things that people sat in. And they had all sorts of stuff tipped over them, and I used to, for some reason, just find myself hooked on any program with anything like that in it. Yeah, I didn't sit there as a small child and get off on it at yeah. all. I just seemed to really enjoy it. And then, uh, as you do as a teenager, you think, oh, you experiment. Yeah, and I did. And then I found it was a turn on. Yeah, and then I found it was actually I don't know whether it. It, it happens here, but I, when I bought my first porno mag, uh, it had a great big photo shoot of two women dressed for to go to a wedding, yeah. just having a fight at the reception with all the food there. Yeah, and that just really got me as well. Yeah. So, splosh the term actually comes from a UK magazine. There is a fetish magazine in the UK called Splosh. Oh, really? And they have a website of the same name. Yeah, and it is just all about crazy 
kinky fun with food essentially (laughs) or or what have you and then over here I I kind of embarrassingly I I was embarrassed to mention it to people here Um, but there's a lot of people there's a lot of female dominance out there who find it most amusing the idea of doing that to you well because Uh, it's hard to find someone who you know under, under normal social situations who'd be like yeah go ahead yeah exactly and it's not something I've done in a long time, uh, unfortunately for me. But it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's it it's entertaining. It is humiliating, perhaps. Uh, I just like the fact that it's it can be fully incorporated into lots of other things. Like That's really cool. If you're doing like impact play, you know, if you scream before you've taken such and such amount of whatever you're doing, yeah, then this happens. Yeah. Or that happens, or you can bring it into role plays, you know, um, like a game show, for example. Like the mistress asks you questions, and if you get, do, if you don't fail to do something in a particular time limit or whatever, yeah, yeah, you get. You, you can you can add it into lots of other things. So I like that about it, um, and it's it, something you can get pretty readily, and, and you know, it's not like you can't just go get, uh, you know, you can't go get a suspension harness. At the, your local at, store, at, at local deli. However, you right. can go down to the deli and get Jello or whatever. Yeah, um, and you know, there's a a lot of our mutual friends over here of of being amused by these antics. Sure, sure. <laughs> in hey. the past, um, some of them I've wanted to do it, but I haven't done it as yet. But, yeah, you know, that always means double trouble for me when I'm in town. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but that's all good. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just another area, and it's I like it particularly because you know if you're in a state where you've been doing some hard play and you're sore mm-hmm. and you can't take any more of whatever you're doing and that makes it less fun for both parties yeah but there are a lot of other types of play that you can do that don't hurt so much well not physically yeah uh but can be a oh god what have i got it myself into now <laughs> situation so are, are there any, you, you said wet and messy, are there, so there are, yeah. are there specific, for you, are there specific food types or specific things that I, are I've, better than I've others? Got a, I have a pie fetish. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in TV, when they have those, the pies, they're always made out of shaving foam. Yeah. Because it's easy to clean up. Yeah, that's true. And so it, it, it's generally that, although, you know, there have been people around who would like to use the real thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe they will at some point. And you know that's fine. And I have a, a, I have a really strong desire to do that in public. Yeah. Because that just makes it doubly embarrassing. I wouldn't. I, I'd be surprised that there wasn't like a pie fight thing you could probably sign up for, especially in probably. New York. Probably there probably is, but I like the idea of being with a dominant friend of mine. Sure, sure. Who decides to do? I mean, one of them, one friend, uh, Mistress Widow, uh, threatened to do that to me in the middle of Union Square a few months ago, <laughs> and I took my way out of it. Yes, uh, as I have to, used to have a tendency to do. Yeah, and now I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, and by the time she hears this, I'll be in the UK again. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You're safe. It'll be embargoed. It'll be embargoed until you get home. What about? Yeah. So. so so for you, when you say it's like the the classic, you know the, the what they call like like the the, the cream pie or whatever, and it's yeah. just not cream pie. That's something completely different. It's just <laughs> the whipped cream pie. Yes, it's just that. It's and it's not like you want know, a cheesecake or something like that. Like, I, I would I'd do anything. Yeah, you know I 
I prefer the dessert variety, but, yeah. you know, there's the whole thing. I, what was that show that they used to have where they said, don't look up? Oh, I they, they had this green slime and all that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, that, that was You Can't Do That on Television. Right. Or, or they, no, it was something else. That, I can't remember, but yeah. That kind of appeals to me, yeah. too. I think that, they, you know, if you were around a dom and, you know, it was a situation where they had, that was something hanging over your head, quite literally. Yeah. Um, that would be such a squirmy but fun situation. <laughs> the mind be fuck, in. right? Yeah, yeah, and I that is that's something I really love: yeah. mental play and mind fucks, yeah. and never knowing whether you know your fears may become reality or not. And it just you know yeah. you sit there; it's delicious. I can totally it's really get it. Nice. Um, I think there's only one other form spring question here, and that is: uh, if you had a kinky superpower, what superpower would it be? Uh, some other examples that other people have other people have used in the past. Um, we had one guy who wanted to be self-lubricating. Uh, we had uh, someone who wanted the power of telekinesis so they could like pin a submissive on the wall. I remember that one, right? Sure. <laughs> but there's so there, there's there's a lot of different ones out there. Some, there's one person who wanted to be sort of a chameleon where they could change whatever shape they wanted. Mm. Um, any thoughts to what you? I'd like to be able to go into a phone box like Superman does and just change into whatever I want to change into. Well, that's pretty good. Um, but preferably not a pair of red underpants. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> right. No, that. <laughs> no, now the next hard part is finding a phone book. Right. That's the next hard part. Yeah, there aren't right. that many. But you could. It could be anything. It could be a an alley, or it could be anything. Right. It could be. I mean, the, there are so many answers to that question. Right, right. That's know. true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. Is there anything we we haven't talked about that you'd like to talk about? Not really. No. It's been it's been a lot of fun learning more about you, and it's, you. I'm so glad that uh, I'm sure over Skype it was still would have been good, but it was really good to have you here. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Lucky, and thank you for listening. And people have asked me uh, lately, what can I do to help? There's always a donation. Donation is very helpful. Um, you know, it's, it's your way of saying thank you. But you, if you don't have cash, I don't. I don't blame you. You can spread the word about the podcast. Tell your friends about it uh, if you think they would enjoy it. You know, don't tell your pastor. Hey, hey, Padre, I hear this great thing on the on my iPod about fucking. I think you no, you don't want to do that. Tell people who you think would enjoy it, and. Uh, Publish a link. You can tweet. Whatever. I mean, any 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 help is good because I really don't have a lot of time to promote this stuff. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks to Eden Fantasies, of course, the sponsor of this episode. They've got a free sex positive uh, magazine called Sexes Magazine. If you go to EdenFantasies.com forward slash sexes s e x i s, you can read all about uh, the new spokesperson for lubricants. And a study in singles suggests change in expectations. What expectations are those? I'll tell you what my expectations were. I misread it when I first saw it, and I thought it says new study of shingles. And I was very confused. I'm like, why is it? Oh, singles. Okay. Uh, new survey says more guys want love, more women want value independence. So, you know, you can read all about that. Sexist magazine. And uh, thank you to Eden Fantasies. EFCAST, E-F-C-A-S-T, gives you 20% on your order. We'll see you later. Oh, I'm going to leave you with uh, some music from this guy who uh, performed in the subway. Uh, whenever I go uh, to the subway, almost every day he's performing. And it's so, I don't know why. I, I, I'll record it because, you know, I, I like to listen to it later. And just, I hope you'd enjoy it. This guy's just really awesome. 